both ministers bread for food. Now, food is for eating. Seed is for what? For sowing. You need to sow before you reap. We're going to delve into this deeper. Shall multiply the seed which you have sown and increase the seed of your righteousness. Verse 11 has arise. As the last, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness that causeth through us thanksgiving to God. This morning I'm going to be teaching particularly on the subject that I've been entitled Kingdom Principles for Prosperity. Praise the Lord. This is the season of harvest. It's prophetic. It's prophetic that this is a season of our harvest, and God knows this is a word for today. Kingdom principle for what? For prosperity. With your eyes closed, let's pray. And Lord in heaven, we thank you for your word that is about to come. We ask that you speak expressly to our heart. Let our heart be receptive to that in which you have to say, thank you, sweet Holy Spirit, for in Jesus' name we have prayed. Let your amen be as loud as a thunder. You may be seated, I also go into God's word. Now this is going to be a very deep teaching this morning and it's going to open our eyes to what we have not done here to before now. And I hope I have enough time to cover it. If I don't, trust me, I'm not going to rush this subject. If we don't have enough time, we will come back for this and you will see why. In Matthew chapter 6 verse 33, Jesus speaking says, Seek ye first the what? Kingdom of God. Do we know that passage? Seek ye first the what? Kingdom of God. And what will happen? All these things shall be added unto you. That is the book of Matthew. After the book of Matthew, we have what book? The book of Mark. Jesus again speaking says, For the kingdom of God is like a man who goeth out to do what? to sow. How many times have you heard the word kingdom? Two times now. If you go to Luke as well, Jesus also speaking says, for no man putteth his hands on the plow and looketh back his feet for what? For the kingdom. Matthew, Mark, Luke and what? John. In John he says, for unless you are born of the waters, unless you are born of the spirit, you cannot enter into where? The kingdom of God countless times Jesus will only refer to heaven as the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Even in the Lord's prayer, he says, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy what? Is it our kingdom? Thine kingdom come. Now it's easy to ask very quickly, why does Jesus refer to heaven as a kingdom? Every time, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. He doesn't miss it. The kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. He uses the word always and all the time. If you look through between Matthew and John, there are countless times Jesus will only refer to heaven as the kingdom of heaven. And the answer is very simple. He says in John, I think verse chapter 14, he says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my father's house there are how many mansions? Many mansions. He said, if it were not so, I would have told you. So Jesus is saying, for me to use the word kingdom means, if my kingdom, if heaven wasn't a kingdom, I would have told you. So what you need to first have this morning is that heaven itself is operated in a kingdom manner. A kingdom pattern that we're going to learn this morning. It is a kingdom and kingdom principles apply. Everything that has to do with principle will always apply. As a matter of fact, there's little prayer you need to do if you act according to principles. For those, for those who studied physics or any type of science in school, remember there are always principles, principles guiding everything. If I have a pen in my hand, if I throw this pen into the air, what's going to happen? It's going to come down. Do I need to pray for it to come? You don't need to pray. If I throw this pen, it's going to come down because there is a law and a principle called gravity. Gravity says it's going to pull it down whether you pray or not. 
So this morning, Jesus is saying there is something called a kingdom. And that kingdom is the kingdom of God. There is also something called the kingdom of the world. In that kingdom, if you apply the principles, it will work. In God's kingdom, if we apply those principles, it will what? It will work. So there are two principles and two worlds. And that is why we battle all the time to talk to people about giving, about tithing, about first fruit. Because we apply the kingdom of the world into the kingdom of God matters. Jesus speaking, listen, Jesus speaking says, Seek ye first, which kingdom? The kingdom of God and all these things shall be what? Added unto you. Now sister, Ken Oloban just shared this testimony and, and truth be told, pastor gave a glimpse of this testimony two Wednesdays ago. And when he gave that testimony, my heart was challenged that someone would give to God and sow a seed for something. It's a kingdom principle. You are going to see it in a short while. It doesn't require too much prayer. God will always come to you when you seek his kingdom. Now, if you have a scholarship or, or tuition to pay for, let's use that, her case an example now. If the tuition costs, let's say, 12 million naira. Let's just say, for example, 12 million naira, and then you decide to save a million naira every year. At the end of the year, how much would you have? 12 million. Is that correct? Is that enough to pay the school fees? Yes. So if the school fees is 12 million, you need to pay or save a million every year, every month, to make up 12 million. Is that correct? So, but if you do that, there's tendency you're going to struggle in every other things. So you barely eat, you barely drink, you barely do everything. Now, in the kingdom of the world, it's a sensible thing to do. Don't negate that. If you want to save towards something, you need to save and calculate it. So, but if you are in the kingdom of God and you are saving towards something, and in the eighth month, God tells you, there is need to pay the rent. And God lays it in your heart, I need a million naira from you. If you are in the kingdom of the world, don't try it, don't give it. Because you don't understand what kingdom principles are. But if you are in the kingdom of God and you say to yourself, if I remove one million, I won't be able to save 12 million. Is that logical? It's very logical. So what you are doing, you are bringing the kingdom of the world into God's kingdom. And God says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, that which concerns me. Seek it first. All these things shall be added to you. So Sister Kemi will have said, oh God, if this is rent, you understand? You understand that we are saving towards school fees. At least let it be next year. But in the kingdom of the world, the kingdom of the world says, save and you shall achieve what you want. But the kingdom of God says, he that scattereth, he that withholdeth, tendeth to poverty. But he that scattereth, do what? Tendeth to abundance. So in this kingdom, giving is an instruction. Giving is something that God loves. Proverbs chapter 11 verse 24, that's what he says. He that saveth, he that, how do you put it? Help me, it's Proverbs 11 24. He that withholdeth, verse 24, he says, he that withholdeth, he, there is one that scattereth, yet increaseth more. And there is one that withholds, that which is right, but leads to what? Poverty. So you need to understand this, that the kingdom matters of the world are different from kingdom matters of the kingdom of God. So that is why it's difficult. I always tell people, don't try to convince any unbeliever about tithing and giving. They don't understand it because it's a kingdom thing. The only thing you do, bring them first into the kingdom. When they are in the kingdom, they will understand kingdom principles. Praise the Lord. Now, there are four strengths of any kingdom. The first is the wealth of that kingdom. A kingdom is only as strong as, as wealthy as it is. Number two, it's, it's in its army. Number three is in its territory. And number four is in its population. If you ever see the LGBTs, the reason why they are strong is that they understand kingdom matters. They put a lot of money in that kingdom and whatsoever they want, they get. They go to the legislators, they pay for them to say yes, that's all they do. 
So they are busy funding their kingdoms and we are busy saying to ourselves, our kingdom doesn't matter. I'm going to show you Bible principles that's going to blow your mind. You know, when I hear people say, the church is using our money to buy jet. The church is using our money to buy this. The church is using... By the time we are done today, you will know that you never paid a dime to anything called church. It is a kingdom matter and it's a kingdom thing. You will know who you paid the money to. And then your eyes of understanding shall be opened. Amen. Every call for kingdom resources, every call for kingdom resources is an opportunity for God to bless you. If you want to write it down, write it down. Every call for kingdom resources is an opportunity for God to prosper you. Every call for kingdom, for kingdom resources is an opportunity for God to prosper you. And so, we are not in the kingdom of the world. First Peter chapter 2 verse 11, Paul speaking says, I beseech you, brethren, as pilgrims of this world. He says, I beseech you as pilgrims and sojourners of this world. So we are in this world, but we are not of which kingdom? We are not of this kingdom. Now you need to understand that. In 2 Corinthians, he says, for ye are ambassadors. So if we are ambassadors, it means this is not our kingdom. We may be of the world, Jesus speaking says, but you are not, you may be in the world, but you are not of the world. In the next few moments, we are going to look at four kingdom principles that governs prosperity in God's kingdom. Amen. Now, let me read one of my favorite scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 7. Now, I want you to watch this now. He says, but, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 7, he says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained from the beginning. Remember somewhere in, I think in Mark, Jesus was speaking to his disciples, says, For you are privileged to understand the mysteries of the kingdom. For unto them, those who are in the kingdom of the world, it is given to them as parables. And so Paul is saying, but we speak the wisdom of God in the mystery that God ordained from the beginning. Verse 9. Verse 9 says, if you understand these mysteries, then you will know that eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it come to the heart of man what God has prepared for you. And in this preparation, God is saying this is the season of your harvest. And in verse 12, he went, in verse 9, he went to, in verse 12, he went ahead and said, now we have received not the spirit of where? of the world. They have their kingdom. He says, but we have received which spirit? The spirit of God that we might know the things that are what freely given to you. There are some things prayer doesn't need to move. Your giving is what gives you access. So it is freely given to you. So we pray and pray and pray. God has freely given us some things. It's like throwing the pen. You don't need to pray. Your giving will make way for you in the name of Jesus. Verse 13 says, But these things we also speak, not in the words of man's wisdom that teach it. Have you ever heard when people say, you give your tithe and the pastors are eating it? Have you heard it? They are correct. Because if you are in the world, that is what you see. But in the kingdom, we know that is a lie. So you need to understand the variance in those kingdoms. When they see it, it's what they see. That's how they perceive it. They cannot understand it. But God is saying, but we have not received the words of man, wisdom teacher, but the Holy Spirit teacher, comparing what spiritual things to what spiritual things. Verse 14, my favorite, it says, but the natural man, the natural what? Man, which means the man that is in the kingdom of the world cannot what? Cannot understand this thing. He cannot receive it. Why? Because it is foolishness unto them. You make hundred, you make one million, you carry hundred thousand, you come and drop it as tight. That is foolishness to them. You don't blame them. It's the kingdom of the world. They don't understand. The scripture says, because the things we do, they are what? Spiritually descend. God will open your eyes this morning that you will understand the spiritual principles in the name of Jesus. So the world cannot understand. So that is why you struggle to tell people what we do or how tight work. They cannot understand. 
because they are not these things they they, they they interpret it the way they see it but these things are not they are not carnal but spiritually what discern and this morning we're just going to delve deep now and when we delve deep the lord will open our eyes in the name of jesus the enemy itself knows the strength of every kingdom resources and that is why the matters of kingdom giving has never been attacked than it has never been uh, or ever been such as this time usually when i speak about giving i usually try to run away from malachi chapter 3 and verse 8 you know what the scripture says say bring in your tithe so that they may what meet in my kingdom that's the only scripture the world knows and so they are bold to say that thing is an old testament thing i'm going to show you this morning you will know it was never even an old testament thing never an old testament thing talk less of a new testament it was a spiritually and divine revelation you will see your eyes will be open amen but let's look at it malachi chapter 3 let's start from verse 14 you know in verse 8 the bible says bring your tithes for you have robbed me now when god said that he wasn't saying it because it came out of the blues it came to a point where the people that were serving in god's kingdom were comparing themselves with people in the kingdom of the world just as we have now i'm sure you've heard when people say does bill gates pay tight you've heard it right so how come he's rich so we're comparing things of god's kingdom to the kingdom of other world he doesn't need to pay tight in his kingdom to make it but you need to pay tight because when we sow we sow into generations verse 14 god says you said it is vain to serve god what is the need what is the profit that we have given and obeyed what god has said so god was listening to them what is the need it is vain to do what to serve god and so they began to withdraw from the church and god showed up one day and looked at his treasury and everything was reducing and he said uh -uh, what is happening and he called the priest the priest said for the people have stopped bringing in their givings and their offerings to the church because they have said to themselves what is the need for us after all the people of the world don't do what don't pay and so the world don't give and we want to be like them yet we want abraham's blessings you're going to see what abraham did the day i understood it nothing has changed me and you cannot change me not the world to come from giving to the resources amen now when god has said that he now said for you are saying it is vain what is it you are copying or we are trying to bring in the kingdom of the world and that's what the, the scripture now says in verse 8 he says for you have robbed me they said how he says in your tithe and in your giving and in your offering for you have robbed me but you say how in the next verse verse 9 god says you are caused with a cause for you have robbed me even this whole nation verse 10 and god was reassuring the church as he's reassuring us this morning he says bring in your tithe and offering and prove me if i'll not open the windows of heaven that there will not be enough way enough for you to store that shall be somebody's portion in the name of jesus now let's look at four fundamental principles i'm going to look i'm going to do dwell with these four if time doesn't permit we'll move it to some other time but trust me i'm not going to rush this subject the first is going to be offering somebody say offering let me try this side say offering let's try this and say offering the next one is going to be titan somebody say titan the third is going to be sacrifice which sister nobanjo did you're going to see is the most interesting one it's called it's called sacrifice and vow and the fourth is going to be first fruit now let's let's roll let's start with offering if you need to write this down please write down your offering or your giving is an act of worship reflecting your thankful heart offering or giving is an act of worship reflecting how thankful your heart is we're going to see this when i was staying with my my in-law usually he was he, he held he had this transport business so usually when we want to travel there is something he does in fact i think yoruba people call it um have you heard it before police money so when we're about to travel so he will count the number of people that are about to travel so he will count one two three four four five people so he will count one thousand two thousand three thousand five thousand this is for our 
lunch as you're traveling. He put it one side. Then he will say, okay, between from here to Bini, how many gallons of fuel? So you count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, ten thousand other fuel. He will keep it. Then he will now say to himself, between here and Bini, how many police checkpoints? Highest. Highest, maybe 15 police checkpoints or 20. So you bring this to 200 around those police money. So you count it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And then he will put it in his right pocket. You will not mix it with any other one. You know, there are sometimes you want to police. You know, when you get to some police checkpoints and they say, bring your papers. And they look at it and look at it. They find no fault in you. You know the next thing they always do, which is always very dramatic. They will start hailing you and praising you. Oh, Galfa, is that your madam? Ah, your madam is very beautiful. Oh, that's your baby. Baby, 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 baby. Baby, 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 baby. Is, are they twins? No, they are not twins. Oh, they are not twins. After all, you can see one is small and one is big. And you are still asking if they are twins. So my uncle, my in-law will just look at them. No matter how much he praises them, is how much? 200 naira. The next police checkpoint, there's nothing he does. Baby, baby, you people going for wedding. Uh -uh, no, your wedding, no, you need to uh, bless you, sir. Bless you. And there's nothing he does, is how much? 200 naira. So you see, usually when it comes to offering, offering is an expression of the thankfulness of your heart. And usually this is how we give in God's kingdom. And when we want to leave home, we calculate how much we are giving God. So there is nothing Pastor Femi Paul will talk. No prophecy is how much? 200 naira. If you want to give God praise, give God praise. Yes. So you will see some people in church, nothing. No prophet offering. Mm -hmm. This offering, mm -hmm. then, mm -hmm. how much? So nothing, even if their heart becomes glad, the glad, highest of the gladness is what? 200. And remember, the Bible says, he that sows sparingly will also reap what? And he that reap, sows bountifully will always reap what? Hold that in your mind. Offering and giving is an act of worship. We're going to see. The very first set of people that gave an offering, Genesis chapter 4 verse 2, the men were called Cain and Abel. Let's start from verse 2. Verse 2 says, And she again bore his brother, what? Abel. And Abel became a what? A, keep, a keeper of the sheep. And Cain was a what? A tilter of the ground. Verse 3, the scripture then says, And in the process of time, that Cain brought his fruit and an offering unto who? Unto the Lord. In the process of time, Cain brought his fruit unto the Lord. Now, I am tempted to agree more on the side of the Bible scholars that said two of them never brought their offering necessarily at the same time. It's simple. One was a keeper of the sheep. The other was a what? A harvester. So when the time I harvest doesn't necessarily mean my sheep will be old enough for me to sacrifice. So God says in the process of time when his fruit was enough to give offering. God bless the children of the school teacher because when I was younger, they told us that when Cain was bringing his offering, he brought rotten fruit. Were well, you taught that as well? That's what they were told. They said he brought rotten. If they want to paint the picture, the picture of the fruit will be so rotten that even you will say, man cannot eat this, talkless of God. But technically, he never brought rotten fruit. He could have brought very good fruit and so plenty of fruit. So what Cain brought wasn't rotten. They were very many and they were very good fruits. But God says that he brought the offering, verse 4. The scripture then says, And Abel also in the process of time brought what? Can you see the description of his offering? Did Abel, did Cain have any description in his offering? There was no description. It takes a man that understands giving to bring the firstling of his fruit of his sheep. Now this is how it works. What it means that Cain, Abel have said to himself, this sheep, when you give birth, the first one I will give to God. Remember when we talked about first fruit one time, we said, the fact, if a sheep gives birth, there was no guarantee that that female sheep will be able to 
to produce the next season. So we also said, when you have a land that you bring the first fruits, there was no guarantee that the next season when you come, the harvest will be what? Will be barren. Remember, but we said God demanded the first to know how much you trust him for what will come later. So he's not asking you to give him because he wants to consume. It is based on what, how much you trust him. If I give this one and I know there is tendency, probability that this guy may not give birth again, yet I still bring it to God. When we come to first fruits, we'll deal with that. But let me just draw this line. And the Bible says, And Abel brought the first of the firstling and the fat thereof. Which means, if the first had kwashoko, he will not do what? He will not bring it. If the first had fat and is, is the type that you will eat, that is the one he will select for God. So you see, it was about the expression of how much he glorifies God. So usually when we talk about offering, offering is not about what you bring every Sunday. It's about how God reveals himself to you throughout the week, throughout the months, throughout the year, in your work, in your business. In Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9, the scripture says, the Bible says, honor the Lord with your substance. The root word of that honor is praise God with your substance. It means glorify God with your what? With your substance. Remember the story in Luke 21 verse 3. A woman came and she had a penny. A man came and she had, he had so much. Now, usually, God knows our hearts. Bible says, be not deceived. God cannot be what? Mocked, for he searches the heart. He's not interested in the remnant. He's interested in the first and that which costs you something. But usually in this kingdom, we act as if we are in the world. We bring, we set apart that which concerns us. Like Cain, he has eaten and he was full. And he said to himself, I cannot finish this fruit. Let's take it to the Lord. And so there was no preeminence of what he was going to do. It was just an afterthought. After all, we have to do what? To render an offering. But the Bible says, but Abel had it in mind. Because he set aside that which cost him something as an offering, reflecting how thankful it is. This morning, our hearts shall be glad to thank God in Jesus' name. During the Jesus Academy, let me give an example. A set of students came and they were so glad. They were trying to raise funds for some things. So they came and they were so, so glad. And they came with a reasonable amount of money that was very rare for anybody to give. And I asked them, how did you get this money? He said they met a woman and she gave them, let me, I can't remember the figure, let's just say 3,000. And then he gave them 3,000. And then they were happy collecting the 3,000 and they were dancing out. And then they met Pastor Evelyn Paul, and Pastor Evelyn Paul said, ah, have you collected money from Lagbaja? He said, yes, he gave us 3,000. And Pastor Evelyn said, ah, uh ah, -uh, 3,000. This person is worth more than 3,000. Go back to her. Let her give you what she should give you. And they went back, and the money doubled, the money tripled, and they came back maybe like 10 or 15,000. That is how God always reflects to us. He knows how much you should bring. He knows how much you should thank him. He knows how much he has done for you. He knows how much he has sacrificed for you. So when you bring it, he knows, he knows that pocket. He knows he doesn't deserve what you brought. He knows you are like king. You are bringing what is afterthought. Because you are bringing police money here. Because you cannot change what God has put in your heart. He has been so faithful. He has been so kind. He has been so loving. He has protected us. And so he wants a reflection of your heart. God bless Pastor Kola. Last week, he, he, during the Thanksgiving, he asked how many people had accidents throughout the year. And then he went ahead. How many people have not visited the hospital throughout the year? If, sir? Or kidnapped. And when I looked at the church, it was almost all the church, without exaggerating, we're talking about 95% of people stood up. How more faithful can this God be to you? You know, we take that which belongs to God all the time. Proverbs chapter 20 verse 24. That which belongs to God is holy. There's a trap the world has set for us. Satan knows in your giving will your blessing come. And so what does he say? He said man's Proverbs chapter 20 verse 24. Is it 20 verse 24? 
Okay, it says, man's going out of the Lord. Give me verse 25. I need to show verse 25. It says, it is a snare. It is a snare to any man who devoured the things that are what? Holy. God says to, God said to Adam, he says, for all the things that in the garden, it is given to you to eat. So all God has given you, that is where offering and giving started. Because God's expression of his love is in giving. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave. The Bible also says, in this will I know that you love me, that you do what? Keep my commandment. What is God's commandment? Do not eat that which is in the midst and bring that which belongs to me. Simple command. In that you shall know, I shall know that you love me. But we devour the holy things. It's a snare. Proverbs is saying, be careful what the world tells you because they don't understand your kingdom. In this kingdom, we don't take holy things because it's just a trap setting us aback from the harvest that God has brought to you. Everyone here this morning, I proclaim to you that God's harvest will come bountifully in the name of Jesus. So we need to understand that the more you understand and have a grasp of that, your harvest is just around the corner. At some point, I'll wrap up offering on this. At some point, when my father was teaching us about offering and giving, in fact, it got to a point where the church did not have rent to pay. And so they could not have vigil in the church. And my father said, bring the vigil to my house. And that's why usually I salute people that allow their house to be used as self-fellowship or anything. You do not know the seed you are sowing. He said something far back to us. He said, for every seed I sow, I will not reap all. It is for generations and for your purpose. So you see, the shelter you are having under a tree, the person that planted the seed necessarily never had that shelter. But he planted it and you are enjoying it. So when we say in this kingdom, you shall prosper. Most, most times we look at the people of the world. So you think it's for now. It may be for your generations and always for generations to come. So don't look at the now. God is rewarding and prospering every seed that you bring. Remember the first Corinthians that we read. He says, for the seed is for the world. Let's, let's look at it again. Our text. And then I go into Titus. Second Corinthians chapter 9. Second Corinthians chapter 9. I think verse 10. Now remember he says, verse 10. He says, now he that ministers seed to the sower. God bless Pastor, Pastor Evelyn. She just said it in passing. She, I'm sure she never even knew this was a text for today. She said, he that ministers seed to who? To the sower. Do we have sowers in this house? I said, do we have sowers in this house? He said, the God that gave you the seed to sow is also the God that will give you bread to eat. When you eat the bread, don't eat the seed. The seed is for to be what? To be sown. He says, he that give bread to the sower, also give, he that give seed to the sower, also give bread to the food, and multiply your seed that you what? Sow. Can you see? And you will increase the fruit of what? Your righteousness. So for a very long time, we have, we have, we have, we have denied ourselves of a bountiful increase. But because of the wind of increase and harvest that is coming by the prophecy of the set man, you shall not miss it in the name of Jesus. I say you shall not miss it in the name of Jesus. First Chronicles 29 verse 13. Now listen to what the scripture says. I always love this part. I'll wrap up in this offering now. Second, first Chronicles chapter 29 verse 13. You know, usually when we're giving, we say, my money, my money. Listen to what the scripture says. In our, now, therefore, our God, this is when the people of God wanted to bring offering to God's kingdom. It says, now, therefore, our God, we thank thee. Remember, we said, your offering is an act of what? Your offering is an act of what? Reflecting your heart of thanksgiving. It says, now, therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. Verse 14. It says, for who are we that you have been gracious and glorious? And who are these people that you have shown mercy to them? That we are even able to bring and offer sacrifice of willingness of all sorts. And then it says, for all things come from who? For how many things come from thee? And 
out of thine own we have given it was not originally yours so when you say i am keeping it you are keeping somebody else's property god says that which i have given you is mine the earth is the lord and what fullness thereof. so when he says come and show how thankful you are you are saying god i know you've been thankful but you know i have to keep i have to buy fuel and i have to do this just collect a wall up praise the lord but God is saying, for all that I've given thee, I have given thee is mine. And he says, and he says, for we are thanking you back out of what thou has given us. This morning, as you understand these principles, I, am, I have no doubt in my heart that God is going to raise champions in this place in Jesus' name. Number two, tithing. I'm going to go into this. I'm not so sure I'll finish this. We'll continue some other time when the administrator deem it fit. Maybe on a Wednesday or another Sunday. Now, let's hold on to this. Titan. I need you to write this down. Let's define Titan. Now, this is going to get very interesting because your eyes will be open. Titan, write this down. Titan is a spiritual covenant. Titan is a what? Spiritual covenant of the kingdom that guarantees a prosperous future. Titan is a spiritual covenant that guarantees a prosperous future. If you've written it down, why don't you read it to our hearing? If you've written it down, let's hear you read it. Let's leave this side. Let's hear people on this side. What did you write down? Let's read it all together this time. Titan is a word. Genesis 14, verse 18. Multimedia help us. Genesis 14, verse 18. Now, this is what we're going to do. Before we leave this place, I want to paint a picture in your head. This picture, I got a hold of it many years ago, and it's called the Order of Melchizedek. We're going to act it so that it can stay in your head. Now, in Genesis 14, verse 18, from the beginning, the Bible says, And four nations rose, four kings rose, four kingdoms arose, and they collaborated. And they said to themselves, Let's go and invade another kingdom called Sodom and Gomorrah four kingdoms and the bible says and they gathered themselves and they defeated sodom and they defeated gomorrah and they defeated sodom and they defeated where gomorrah and the scripture says and they took lot the cousin was the cousin of abraham nephew so they took um, lot who was the nephew of abraham and they went away with all the goods the bible then says and it got to the ears of Abraham, that his cousin or his nephew had been taken away into captivity. The scripture says, and Abraham gathered about 318 men and he chased four kingdoms. What a full kingdom could not do, a man used 318 men, chased four kingdoms. Hold on to that. And when he chased the four kingdoms, he defeated the four kingdoms, he rescued Lot and he took all that was taken and lost. Anything that you have lost, God will deliver into your hand. Now listen to this story. When he took it, there is no possibility. It is impossible for a man who just was living his own private life to raise 318 men and defeat four kingdoms, except God have given them to his hands. And so the Bible says, as Abraham was going, he met a man. His name was Melchizedek. Now listen carefully. We are just summarizing. When he met Melchizedek, his scripture says, and he discovered and he noticed in the spirit that this man is a priest of the high God. He's a high priest of the most high God. The scripture also tells us that not only was he a priest, he was a king of the place called Salem. It is very rare and not written anywhere in scripture that a man will hold both positions, a civic responsibility and a spiritual responsibility. So Melchizedek held that position and he was both a king and he was a priest. And Abraham looking at him said, ah, for all this that God has done, I cannot just go and pass. And so he took a tenth of what he has earned and he gave it to the man called Melchizedek. The scripture was very specific. He said, and Melchizedek blessed Abraham. Ah, God. 
In the next chapter, the Bible says, what God had told Abraham, which was only in the papers as promised. Remember, we, we did this sometimes back when we said, if God gives you a promise, it's like using the word of mouth. But when God writes it in a check, he's making a covenant. In the next chapter, the Bible says, and God said to himself, this thing that Abraham has done has won my heart. So he appeared again to Abraham and said, that thing that I told you was only a promise. I want to covenant it so that you will know I will not fail. Now, I ask you a question. Did anybody command Abraham to give the tithe? Did anybody? Did that look like the Old Testament? I'm going to show you something. In Genesis 28 verse 22, his grandson, Abraham, Isaac, and what? Jacob. The Bible says, and Jacob got to a point where he could not go further. And he said to himself, how can I appeal to the heart of God? The scripture says that, Jacob made a vow and he said unto thee and he set a stone as a pillar and he says and of all that thou shalt what give me I will surely give you a what a tent now I will show you why it was not a command these two individuals did it by spiritual by spiritual give me an English impression in their hearts amen now watch this when Abraham had finished God said to himself, if anybody will be a part of Abrahamic blessing, you must be able to give like Abraham did. Because he knew our hearts shall be stiff-necked. So in Leviticus 27 verse 20, God made it a law. And he says, for thou shalt, and I will redeem the field. And Leviticus 27 verse 20, and God made it a law and says, henceforth, everybody must pay a tenth. Why? Because Abraham paid it and it paid off. Now, let me show you something very quickly. Genesis, Hebrews, chapter 7. Hebrews, chapter 7, verse 1. Let me show you. So, when God said, what, keep Hebrews. When God said, every man shall pay tithe. So, God decided to himself, Melchizedek is a king forever. Melchizedek was no more. So, what did God do? The Bible says, and God commanded Aaron and everyone that is a Levite. He says, Melchizedek is not around. So for the meantime, you stand and collect the tithe from the people. So if you are not from the tribe of Levi, you were not qualified to receive tithe. Now let's, let's, let's do something interesting. I need three people here, three men, if you know you're hefty. Three hefty men, please come here. Three hefty men. Three hefty men. Are these hefty enough? Is this one hefty? Biceps, check. Height, check. Praise the Lord. Let's have you as volunteers, sir. You, just two of you in white. Anybody in white? Just volunteer if you don't mind. Thank you. I need two people that are elderly. Praise the Lord. Now, I want you to watch this very carefully. We are, we are going to reenact what happens in Hebrews 11. Yes, come, sir. Now, for I need you to step back. For the purpose of this illustration, he is going to be Melchizedek. Who is this? I need you to go to the end, sir. For the purpose of this illustration, he is going to be the priest Aaron and the Levite. Who is this? Good. For the purpose of this illustration, he's going to be the Israelite or Grace Assembly. So he's an ordinary person, okay? No, he's going to be Grace Assembly. This one is going to be Abraham. Amen. So who is this? Who is this? Melchi. Who is this one? Who is this? Aaron. And who is this? Abraham. And this is who? Correct. God bless you. The last person. Who said that? You are bearing. You are bearing. But since you are bearing, let's help you. Because he's wearing white, that's why I brought him. He is Jesus, the Son of God. Let him remain there. So this is what's going to happen. This is Abraham. This is Melchizedek. This is Aaron. So let's reenact what happened. I just need you to move aside a little. 
just a little. Hebrews 7, run with me. Now you will understand. The next time anybody tells you, the pastors are eating your tithe. If you don't have that understanding, you are just, you are not in this kingdom. The congregation I was far back, there was a time when they said, oh, the pastors are, 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 are misappropriating funds and all the rest. So they were telling a few of us, and then the following months we kept paying tight. The following months we kept paying tight. As we're paying, it was paining them. As we're paying, it was paining them. Because I understood what was called the order of Melchizedek. That I've never even given my tithe to Pastor Femi Paul. I've never given it to any man, but to the man called the priest of the most high God. Are you ready? Ask your neighbor, are you ready? Verse 1. For this Melchizedek, where is he? This Melchizedek, he was the king of Salem and he was a priest of who? The most high God. So he holds two positions. The first is what? The king of Salem. The second is what? The priest of the most high God. And the Bible says, and who met Abraham? Where is Abraham? So Abraham, just go and stand before him. So he met Abraham when Abraham was returning from the slaughter. Verse 2. The Bible says, to whom Abraham gave how much? A tenth, which represents a what? A tithe. So if Abraham is standing before a king or he's standing before a priest, will he be standing or will he be kneeling down? Will he be standing before a king or kneeling? So Abraham kneels and faces the king. And the Bible says, And to whom Abraham gave a tenth of the part, for me being first, being by interpretation the king of righteousness. He's saying Melchizedek was the king of righteousness and he was also the king of peace. Even Jesus that we knew, when the man went to him and says, good master, Jesus said, there is none as good. You cannot call me. I don't have the entitlement to take up that position. But the Bible wasn't really restraining himself from describing this man as a king of righteousness. It can never be a man that takes that position. Verse 3, the Bible says, This man that the scripture defined had no father, had no mother, without any descendant, without beginning, without the end. Now listen to what he said. He said as he was describing him, something come to mind. He says he's the king of kings, he's the prince of peace. If he has no end, he has no father. Whose resemblance does he have? So he's saying that this description better fits this man. So what we were describing all better fit this man because we have known this man as a king of kings. We've known him as a lord of lords. We've known him as the Messiah. Verse 4, the scripture says, Now considering how great this man was, unto whom our patriarch Abraham gave a tent. You know when they always say, at some point they were arguing, I, I, how will Melchizedek, ah, do you know who Abraham is? Ah, Melchizedek cannot be greater. So Paul was trying to tell them, before this Abraham can pay a tenth, it means this man was greater. Verse 4, and it says, verily, verily, they are the sons. No, okay, verse 4. Now consider how great this man is, that Abraham have to give the tenth. Verse 5, it says, and verily, they are the sons of Levi. Where is Levi here? Aaron and Levite. If you are Aaron, you are part of the Levite. It says, now, in the things we know, only the Levites had the office of the priesthood. And they had the commandment to take tithe of the people according to the word, according to the law. Where is the people? Now, you kneel before your own priest. I want you, both of you to get closer. So, you kneel. So, when God gave the commandment, he says, henceforth, I want to bless you like Abraham. But you need to have the act of giving because in this kingdom you need to part. If you have hundred thousand, bring the ten thousand. If the, use the ninety thousand. Really, have you noticed really that if you are any hundred thousand, how much is your tithe? Ten thousand. How much is your own? If you eat the hundred thousand, if you eat, if you spend, if the ninety thousand is not enough, what's the chance that hundred thousand will be enough? Nothing. It will never. So you see what you are denying yourself of. You think the more you keep, the more you can save. So we are so eager. Keep the tent. Uh, you know, uh, rent, school fees, it's not enough. Koto, koto, praise the Lord. So the more you spend, it will never be enough. When you trust God enough to give him that which is holy, he says, don't fall into the snare that the kingdom of the world have sown, that you eat that which is holy and belongs to God. What verse are we? 
verse 5, keep it there. And it says, for Aaron had the commandment to receive the tithe from the people and of their brethren through though they come from the loins of what? Abraham. Now remember, Melchizedek blessed Abraham. So I want you to put your hands on the right shoulder as a point of blessing that God is giving Abraham that enacted the covenant of the spiritual blessing. And because you are the priest, also put your hands on him because that is how it's done. Give us the next verse. I said, but he, verse 6, he whose descendant is not counted from to receive the tithe and bless him in whom the promise was made. Multimedia, help us with new, new living translation. This is not helping me. New Living Translation, verse 7, verse 6. New Living Translation. It says, But Melchizedek, who was not a descendant of this man, yet he was collecting tithe. Verse 8, the next verse, verse 7. It says, And without any words, question, the person who has the power to give a blessing is greater than who? So Melchizedek and Abraham, who is greater? Verse 8, watch this. And here, men that die receive tithe. He was referring to this man. After a while, he will die. He will leave and come back. And he says, but there is him that received a tithe, of whom we, we have witnessed, that lives for how long? That liveth. That liveth for how long? And we're told he lives on. This man will die. will bring another Levite. This man will die. will bring another priest. But this one never dies. He lives for what? Forever. Give us the next verse, verse 9. In addition, we might even say that this Levite, the ones that collected tithe, paid a tithe to who? To Melchizedek. How? Because he's the seed of Abraham. So if he's a seed, touch Abraham with your one hand and bless him with. So there's a connection of blessing that comes this way. So the man that received tithe also paid tithe. Give us the next verse, verse 10. For though the Levite wasn't born yet, the seed from which he came was in Abraham's body when Melchizedek collected tithe. Give us the next verse, verse 11. Verse 11. So God said to himself, when Abraham paid tithe, I did not tell him to. It was divine and a spiritual covenant. I only told these people so that they can learn giving in the kingdom. So God says, I'm not going to force you. That is why he doesn't kill you when you don't pay his tithe. That's why he says, for he that must give, must give willingly and not grudgingly and not out of persuasion. So we know the law is there. But God wants you to key into this covenant that it is not about law. It is about you knowing what he's done. Now, read with me. So if the priesthood of Levi could not, could not have achieved the perfection that God intended, this was not what God wanted. God wanted a replica of this. He says, with a priest in the order of Melchizedek instead of the order of Aaron. So he's saying, Aaron, you can't achieve what I want you to. So he told Aaron, Aaron, step aside. Just move away. Give us verse, verse 12. And so he says, and if the priesthood was changed, the law must be changed. The law initially was, if you have to collect priest, you have to be the priest, you must be of what tribe? The Levite. Now I ask you a simple question. What tribe was Jesus from? The tribe of where? So Judah wasn't permitted to receive tithe. Because the law had to change, we need to change something. Levi has been taken away. There's only one person that qualifies this man. He's not a tribe of Judah, but God says, well, I don't care. So far, he's a reflection of who? Of Melchizedek. Give us verse 13. And so the Bible says, for the priest we are talking about belongs to a different type, which is a member that have never served in the priesthood. Who is that person? Jesus. Next verse. It then says, is this the next verse? What I mean is that our Lord Jesus Christ came from where? The tribe of Judah. And Moses never mentioned that anybody that comes out of the tribe of Judah can collect tithes. Verse 15, it says, this change has been made. So, sir, please come. Take the position of the Levite because he doesn't remain forever. So, Jesus is coming as the priest and the most high priest of God. He says, this change has been made. And it is clear, since a different priest who is in the likeness of Melchizedek. What is the likeness? He's a king of priests and he's a what? King of priests. He lives forever. He does what? 
He's a prince and he's also what? He had the power to bless. He also had the power to what? So when you bring your tithe, this is who you see. So he places your hand. He's called the king of the priest of the most high. So please place your hand. Because in the spiritual realm, this is what happens. What verse are we in? So he said in verse 16, so there is a change of God. Jesus became a high priest, not meeting the physical requirements of belonging to any tribe or Levi, but by the power of what? Life that cannot be destroyed. When he rose from death, he received that power that cannot be destroyed. No matter what you do, the kingdom matters. You are not paying to any man. I ask you a simple question. Is this Pastor Femi Paul? Is this Grace Assembly? Is this Oyedepo? Is this who else? Adeboye? So when you bring your tithe, who do you give it to? So when you think and you don't know this principle, then you can open your mouth and say, I don't know what they are doing with my tithe. Who did you give it to? If you gave it to man, then go and meet him. But I gave it to the king of the most high God. Verse 17, and as the psalmist says when he was prophesied, he says, Jesus Christ, you are the priest of the most high God, for you live forever after the order of Melchizedek. Let me bring my tithe to you, because if I bring it, I replicate Abraham. I don't need a connection with Abraham. If I can replicate this, then I become the Abraham of my time. I become prosperous. You don't tell me about my tithe, because I never gave it to a man. I gave it to a priest. I gave it to a king. I gave it to him who has the power to bless he who has the power to increase. Oh God. We are rounding up verse 19. For the Lord never made anything perfect. God doesn't want them to force you. Bring your tithe, bring your tithe, bring your tithe. He you say, ah, my tithe, my tithe. Was it your own in the first place? He says, for the Lord doesn't make anything perfect. So God wants you to have confidence that when you bring it, but now we have confidence in a better hope through, the, through which we draw near to who? To God. Remember we said that Titan is a spiritual world, covenant of the kingdom that guarantees future world prosperity. I prophesy to anyone that, that wants to hear that in this season of harvest, you will not be left out in the name of Jesus. I say you will not be left out in the name of Jesus. Let's celebrate them as they make their way back. Amen. We cannot finish this, so I'm just going to wrap things up. I'm going to, I'm going to wrap these things up because the one that I love most is sacrifice and vow. When you come next time, I will talk about it. Your heart will be open. What Sister Kemi did was just a sacrifice and a vow in the kingdom. God doesn't know any other way to reward it. And when you come, you will see what we say. A sacrifice places a demand and a responsibility of, on God. So when I meet God's own, he has a responsibility to do what? To meet my own. Remember, seek you first the kingdom of God and these things shall... So don't think any time, any vow you make, God is going to reward it. In this life or in the next generation, he is bound to reward it. Have you been blessed this morning? So when the senior pastor started as resist, because of this, I tell you, in the next coming weeks, because of these things you are going to take seriously, these covenant principles, there's going to be a wind that you've never seen before. The harvest will be so plenty, we'll not have enough storeroom for it. But I challenge you, this is not just mercy, it is revelation from God. It, they are kingdom principles. Now you tell me, how can an unbeliever understand this? They can't. Bible says they are spiritually descent. For the things that we say, they cannot what understand. Now, if you have, I have a, I have a colleague in, in the office. He told me one time. He said that he, since he got married, his wife, this titan thing, his wife doesn't joke with it. He said, I don't pay tight. But since I married, the woman said, I will leave you if you don't pay tight. Amen. That is a woman that understands what kingdom principle. He says, I will not because of you what suffer in this house. And he, he, he encouraged the husband. And the guy told me, 
I've been paying title. I don't even know what it means, but I've been paying it because my wife wants me to pay it. And the reality is, it's a principal thing. Even when he doesn't know what it means, his wife had convinced him enough. Remember what happened in Exodus 4. Do you remember? Exodus, you don't know Exodus 4? Let me recap it. Exodus 4. I'll quickly wrap up. Five minutes. Exodus 4. Because if you are married to anyone, the best you can do for now is to let him understand this message of the kingdom. Because if you doesn't, if your husband doesn't prosper by the reason of withholding the holy things, you also become what? Affected. Now the Bible said in Exodus 4, from verse 24, and Moses had gone to marry a, a woman from the strange land, which God had commanded him not to. So on one time, Moses was returning from Pharaoh's palace, where he had gone to say, Pharaoh, let my people go, that may they hold a holy convocation before me in the wilderness. And as he was returning, verse 24, read what the scripture said. It says, and it came to pass on his way, give us the new living translation. On the way to Egypt, at the place where Moses and his family had stopped for the night, the Bible says that the Lord confronted him, and God was about to do what? I can't hear you. God was about to what? This is a messenger of God that is about to redeem Israel. He said God was about to kill him. Why? Because he had married a woman from the strange land. God has forgiven that part. And they had a child. And that child was not, was not circumcised. Remember, when it comes to covenanting, God doesn't joke with it. He can permit and raise anybody within a twinkle of an eye. But when it comes to the things of the covenant, God is very, very particular about it. The next verse, verse 25, and Moses' wife, Zipporah, took a knife when she said to herself, ah, we are not prospering in this house. Things are not going on. She was not a member of the Israelites, but she knew the covenant that God had covenanted with them, that for everything you need to what? To circumcise. So she's like saying, we are making money, but we are not seeing where it's going. If we make money today, if it's not hospital today, it's death tomorrow, is this. Something must be wrong. And he said to herself, I will do the covenant that this man, had, God has given to this man. I don't understand it, but I know there must be something in this covenant that is affecting our finances. So he said the woman took a plain knife. The knife wasn't even sharp. But he cut and circumcised the child. And then the Bible says, and he took the, the, the blood and touched the feet of Abraham. And he said, now you are a bridegroom to, of blood to me. Verse 26. The Bible then says, and when she has said this thing, referring to circumstances, to circumcision, and God, and the Lord God did what? Left him alone. So the devourer of your finances is not because you are not working hard. It's because there's a part of covenant that need to activate the blessing. It was when Abraham paid the tithe. In the next verse, he chapter, he began to see the result. Everything that you do not know, but you somehow know, that disobedience is causing this. When you go back home, have a meeting with your husband. I say, Oga, oh 100,000, if it's not enough, 90 will not be enough. Let us pay the 10,000 because it's the common good of your family. Have God blessed you this morning. Why don't you celebrate God? And so, we declare the blessing of Abraham to everyone that because of these things that we have done, in the coming months, in the coming year, in the coming few weeks, that we shall prosper in everything that we do in the name of Jesus. In any way we may have been struggling, by the reason of the principle of the covenant, we ask and we declare that heaven will make way for us in the name of Jesus. Every business that is at the brink of collapsing, Lord will pray that our tithe, our blessing, our giving shall speak good for us in the name of Jesus. And so shall it be to everyone in Jesus mighty name we are praying. Why don't you let your amen be as loud as a thunder? So we'll continue next Wednesday and if you want to understand the concept of vow and offering don't miss Wednesday. In fact, I am always, I love vow and offering more than I love tithing. Because you are going to understand that first fruit is a form, no, vow is a form of prayer, is an act of prayer. When you give it, don't say too much. Like Sister Kemi, after she gave it, did she need to pray so much? God, he placed a demand on God to do what God has to do. 
Tell somebody by your side, five people, don't miss it. Don't miss Wednesday service. 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 Praise the Lord. Why don't you rise to your feet as we take the second hymn for the day and it's entitled, When We Walk With The Lord In The Light Of His Word. Ah, Grace Assembly, you are just coming. Are you sure you are born again? When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, the light of his word is in the revelation of his word. And today the Lord has made known to us the mysteries of the kingdom, walk in it, and the Lord will bless us in Jesus' name.